You're listening to the Refinery Church Podcast. Each message comes from our Saturday night service in Brea, California. We pray these messages will build your faith and encourage you today. I started a series before we left called Unshaken. May I say Unshaken? talking about how we live in this world of just chaos all around it. And God's word gives us strategies and plans and understanding how to live above the chaos. God's desire is that we would thrive, not just survive. He wants to see us thrive even in the midst of chaos, even in the midst of change, even in the midst of turmoil, even when things are shaky and chaotic. God wants you to thrive. And we're camping out in the Old Testament book of Daniel, Because Daniel lived during a time when culture and society were chaotic. It was anti-God. And we're going to dig into that and find out how he was able to still live a life with an unshakable faith. And he not only survived, he thrived. And actually, I love the story about Daniel. He's actually one of my favorite characters. I love him and Old Testament Joseph. And of course, the number one guy is Jesus. Uh, Love to study him too. But we want to take some time on Daniel. So if you have your journal, open it up, get a new fresh page. Today's message is called, are you ready for it? The test. The test. And I know everybody hates the word test. It starts to fill you with anxiety, but I'm not going to get into it just yet. I'm going to tell you about it in just a minute. Why do I love Daniel? Because he thrived even when everything was against him, when everything was pushing against him. Um, his life was an amazing rags to riches story. Who likes a rags to riches story? Don't you like that? You hear about the person who, who, who made it from, from obscurity into something of success. It's probably one of the reasons why I love watching that show Shark Tank. Anybody ever watch Shark Tank? I love to see people with great ideas, you know, who are just struggling to make it succeed. The guy who did the ring button, you know, the ring button, he was on the Shark Tank. Matter of fact, the sharks rejected him and said, no, nah, it ain't going to work. He went on to prove them wrong, and now he sold that company for $1 billion. Isn't that incredible? Rags to riches kind of story. They invited him back and he actually became one of the sharks for a couple of episodes. I love to hear those rags to riches stories. Daniel is one of those rags to riches stories. He starts off as a prisoner of war. His, His story is found in the Old Testament. It's the second half of the Old Testament. He starts off as a prisoner of war. He was captured at age 15. And his life concludes at 85 years old, which is pretty incredible back then that he lived for 70 years. As a matter of fact, he lived to be 85 years old when the average lifespan back then was like 40 years old. He doubled the average lifespan. The blessing of God was upon him. He he became the most powerful man in the the country, second to the the emperor. Now, I know that you're thinking Star Wars when you think of the emperor. I know some of us Star Wars geeks, but this was a real emperor that lived a few thousand years ago. He saved the empire, that is, Daniel did. He saved the empire and actually outlasted three administrations. Nebuchadnezzar, he outlasted him. He outlasted the second guy that commanded Babylon. His name was Belshazzar, both Babylonian emperors, And then Babylon was invaded, and and then Cyrus the Great took over. The Persians invaded Babylon, and Cyrus the Great came over, and he took over. And when Cyrus was in command, you know what he did? He said, okay, we're going to kill. This is the way they did it. We're going to kill all of the administration that had previously been, except for, you ready for it? Daniel. The blessing of God was upon Daniel. It was unheard of to take on former administrations, former rulers, because they were all in fear that, okay, they're going to try to assassinate me. But he kept Daniel on. As a matter of fact, when Daniel went into retirement at 85 years old, they called him back up and said, Daniel, we need you to get involved here. He actually led Cyrus the Great into faith in God. Incredible man, this Daniel. We can learn so much from him. I feel like his story is probably better than than, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Mission Impossible, Born Identity, and I'll even say it, even better than Star Wars. Because his story is true, okay? All these other people are Hollywood fiction. This guy was real, and his story is real, and we can learn from it today. And today, we're going to start with the test. 
the test. And don't let that fill you with anxiety. You know, how many right now, you hear the word test, you start to get all nervous on the inside. I'm not gonna make you take a test, okay? I've got two college students and during test season, it, they're both girls and my wife and there's a lot of hormones in the house going on during test season. And some of you ladies going, that's not very nice. But you all know there's times of the month when things get crazy. Uh, okay, we won't go any, any further. But you know what? Tests are part of life. And tests can be good. Actually, the Bible tells us that God uses tests. He does. God uses tests. And I want you to write this down because we're going to dig into this and drill into this about how God uses tests. Take a look at this. Before every blessing, there's always a testing. Before every blessing, there's going to be a testing. God uses tests. Matter of fact, the Bible talks about it. In Proverbs chapter 17, verse 3, take a look at what it says. It says, fire tests the purity of silver and gold, right? Refiners, goldsmiths, silversmiths, they use fire to bring out all the impurities, right? And then they drag off the dross off of the top. That's what fire does. Then what does it say, comma? But the Lord tests what? The heart. God does test. God tests our hearts. God tests us. He wants to be sure that you're ready for the blessing. And if you want to be blessed by God, you got to understand there's going to be tests by God to see if you're ready, to see if you're ready to handle the power, handle the authority, handle the position, handle the blessing that he wants to put upon you. I mean, it's natural, right? If you work in any kind of industry where you use tools, right? Whether it's the construction industry, whether it's in engineering, uh, even if you're a cook, you use knives and stuff all the time. Aren't you glad? Yeah, that's right. Dent, the high, dental hygienists, dentists use tools. I mean, tools are everywhere, the medical field. Aren't you glad that they test those tools before they send them out on the market, before they use them on you? Because you do not want some tool that is weak or flawed, right? In your mouth or repairing your car or doing something that could even be more dangerous. We test tools. We put them through all sorts of tests. There's a thing called the UL, the, the Underwriters Laboratory, that tests all the consumer products that come out to make sure that they're safe for us to use. Well, if we're willing to test simple things like tools, don't you think God wants to test your heart to see if you're ready for the things he wants to bless you with? He does. He does. What does God test? He tests your character. He tests your integrity. He tests your humility. He tests your generosity. See, there's a lot of people who are saying, man, God, if, if you would give me a whole bunch of money, then I would give to the church. I would give to people who need it. And God's saying, why don't you give out of what you have right now and let me see if you're generous. See, you want, you want to be blessed, you got to be willing to be tested. <laughs> blessed, tested, that's right. See, if you're not willing to give now, what makes you think you're going to be willing to give when you have a lot more? Because a lot more sometimes is a lot harder to get rid of. See, God tests our generosity. He tests, tests our loyalty. He tests our faithfulness. And he tests our truthfulness. And if you pass the tests, if you pass those tests, you know what God does? He promotes. He gives authority. He gives power. He gives influence. We see that all over the Bible. We see that all over history. When men and women of God pass those tests, God says, good, I'm going to bring blessing to you. Bring blessing to you. Because testing leads to blessing. Say that with me. Testing leads to blessing. I'm giving you tools on how to live an unshakable faith. And the way you live an unshakable faith is to understand when that the test comes, that God can use that to bless us. So don't let the test knock you out of the game. 
He wants to see you blessed, but it starts with a test. Now I need some water after saying all that. Oh my goodness. Daniel's character was tested over and over and over and over and over again. And we're going to see that as we read through the book of Daniel. His character is tested. His integrity is tested over and over and over again. And each time he passes a test, you know what God does? He gives him more authority. He gives him more position. He gives him more promotion. He gives him more influence. Every single time he passed that test, God says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Here you go. Here's more. And we're going to see that in just a minute. And the first test that came to Daniel was a test that we all experience. And we start experiencing it from the time we're about six or seven years old and we start into elementary school and we start interacting with other people. And this test is, you ready for it? The pressure test. The pressure test. All of us face the pressure test. Now, I'm not talking about work pressure per se and deadlines, because we all have that. That's life, that's stress. I get that. I'm talking more around the whole social aspect of pressure. You know what I'm talking about. Pressure to conform to something that you know is not right starts when we're little. It starts when we're a little child and, and little, little Johnny says, oh, go ahead and take another cookie. Oh, but my mommy said I could only have one cookie. That's okay. She won't know. Starts back then, right? Starts back then. I can remember I was in like second or third grade. I can't remember what grade it was. And I remember walking down a, an alleyway and there were houses and a buddy of mine goes, I bet you can't throw a rock and hit that window. The dare was on. Now, I knew it was wrong. And I can remember that feeling. That, that matter of fact, it's one of my first memories of feeling that feeling. I think you guys know that feeling. That's that. It's your conscience. It's your conscience saying, don't do it. Don't be an idiot. But he's going, I dare you to throw a rock and hit that window. Well, you know, no, no. I double dog dare you. Threw the dog in there. Double dog dare me. So I took the rock and I flung it and I hit the window. Ha ha, and broke the window. And I heard, what the blankety blank blank come out of the house. I ran as fast as I could. It was my first experience with feeling that kind of pressure to do something that I knew was wrong. I failed the test. Well, we probably all failed the test. But God gives us second chances to test our character. We're all pressured by culture, by government, by your boss, by peers. Pressure from others to do something that violates your conscience, violates what you know is wrong. This kind of pressure is real, isn't it? I mean, we all face it. The pressure to cheat just a little bit, just a little bit a little white lie. Well, this kind of pressure is the first thing that Daniel faced in chapter one of his book. Let me summarize. Before we get into chapter one, let me summarize. Matter of fact, back it up. There we go. Because I want to summarize. I don't want to get you guys distracted. King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon takes, this is around the year 700 BC, right around there. He takes 25% of the Hebrew population, and he brings them back to Babylon. 25% of Israel is back to Babylon. Then he picks and he tells his, his viceroys, he says, I want you to get the smartest, best looking, strongest, most gifted men in that whole bunch and bring them to my palace and begin to train them because I want them to work for me. Daniel is one of those guys. He's 15 years old. Remember that. This is important. He's 15. Think back to when you were 15, okay? How did you handle pressure when you were 15? Maybe as an adult, you're going, yeah, yeah, no problem. But think about being 15. And the king says, you're going to go through a three-year process. You don't need that God anymore. You don't need that Bible, that Torah anymore. Matter of fact, you don't need those names anymore. We're going to give you new names. We're going to give you new clothes. We're going to teach you 
what culture really is, you uncultured Israelites. We're going to teach you how to be sophisticated. We're going to teach you how to be powerful. We're going to conform you to our culture, is what Nebuchadnezzar did. Then after three years, you'll be ready to serve in my court. You'll be ready to represent me to my guests. Changed their names, taught them a new language, taught them new habits, all trying to conform them to that current culture. Now, there's the context. Let's take a look at the scripture. Daniel chapter one, verses three through five. I summarized it. Read along with me as I read, would you? You can quietly read there. It says, the king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Verse four, quote, select only strong, healthy, good-looking young men, he said, Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning and are gifted with knowledge and good judgment and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Here you go. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchen. They were to be trained for three years and then they would enter the royal service. You see what Nebuchadnezzar is doing is he's doing total reprogramming. He's working to assimilate a foreign culture into his culture. He wants to wash out any influence of God so that they would be completely dependent on him. But let's see how Daniel responds in verse 8. But Daniel was determined not to what? defile himself by eating the food and the wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now let's pause here for a second because some of you are going, wait a minute, why is that such a big deal? Wouldn't Daniel be excited to finally get to eat good food? I mean, food from the king's own kitchen? But Daniel says he was determined not to defile himself. Now, that's not a word that we use in modern language very often. We don't really understand the word defile. It's not a common word. But the word defile is very simply defined as this, polluted. We understand pollution, right? You go out into the ocean, and there's probably tons of plastic floating around in the ocean right now. The ocean has been defiled by our single-use plastic. Okay, there's my environmental uh, statement right there. It's true, it's true, it's true. The ocean's been defiled like that. You go to some of our beaches, you go out there and you have a big party and you leave all the trash on the sand rather than pick it up and put it in a trash receptacle. You have defiled our beautiful beaches. You feeling guilty yet? Polluted is simply what it means. Daniel says, I'm not gonna defile my body. He's saying, okay, change my name. Change my style, change my address, but don't mess with the inside. Don't mess with the inside. And back then it was very important, the things that you ate, because they believed as as you take it in, it actually becomes part of you. Food was very important in the sense that it became part of you. That's one of the reasons why back then, They were very particular about some of the foods that were sacrificed to idols. Some cultures actually would consume sacrifices, believing that those sacrifices and the power that came from them would actually become part of them when they consumed it. And so Daniel was like, "Uh uh-uh, no, that's the line that I'm drawn, no more. Because this flew in the face of God's direct commands. And God had given the Israelite people specific eating commands, really for three reasons. Number one, for health benefits. The kinds of foods that God had commanded the Israelite people to, to consume were more healthy. We did, back then, they didn't have the kind of technology we have or the research we have to understand what is good and what is not good. So God says, hey, don't eat pork. We wouldn't find out till later on that uncooked pork or, properly or improperly prepared pork 
can cause all sorts of terrible diseases and would literally wipe out groups of people. So God says, just don't eat pork. Well, why God? Well, he didn't have to go into some scientific explanation. He says, just don't eat it. Just don't eat it. So God had given them very, very specific commands for health reasons, to preserve his people, and so that they would be identified as chosen separate groups of people. Daniel decided this was the line that was, I wasn't going to cross. At 15 years old, he decided this was the line he wasn't going to cross. Daniel, at 15, had the wherewithal to say, I'm not going to cross that line. And the pressure was on. Can you imagine that kind of pressure? My dad used to say that pressure reveals what's on the inside. You've probably heard that before, right? You put pressure on a tube of toothpaste and what comes out? <laughs> toothpaste. Like that sound effect? Need some water. You put on a little pressure and what's on the inside is going to come out. Daniel begins to experience this pressure and what comes out are three character qualities that God blesses. And I want to encourage you to allow God to test these three character qualities in you. And as you pass the test, you'll experience the same kind of blessing that Daniel experienced. Daniel responded to this pressure and revealed three character qualities. And these qualities are the qualities that God blesses. The first one is this, integrity. Everybody say integrity. Daniel determined he wasn't going to lose his identity. That's what he was saying. I won't take on that food. I'm not going to lose who I am. They can change my address. They can change my clothes, but they won't change who I am on the inside, literally, literally. That's why it doesn't phase me uh, with tattoos. I know some people are, 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 they talk about tattoos. Matter of fact, I like some certain, I have a tattoo on my own leg. I'm more concerned about what's on the inside, what's going on on the inside, really. Now, sometimes what's going on on the outside reveals what's going on on the inside. And so I like to have conversations with people. I like to say, so now those 352 piercings on your face, now why do you want to do that? That sounds a little extreme. I'm not judging. Just sounds like a lot. But Daniel says, no, don't change me on the inside. Don't try to change me. I'm not going to conform to society's standards. I'm not going to do that. Later on, a few hundred years later, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament would say something very similar. Take a look at what the Apostle Paul says. Matter of fact, let's all read this together. Ready, begin. Do not conform yourself to the values of this world. Instead, let God, by complete change of how you think, then you will be able to know the will of God. Do you know that there are men and women, there are Christian men and women who are struggling with knowing the will of God because they're conformed to this world and they've not allowed God to transform their mind. Oh yeah, they said yes to Jesus, but that's as far as it went. God wants to see transformation happen. And as transformation is taking place, you're gonna discover God's will and his perfect will for your life. You have two choices on this planet. You'll either conform or transform. You'll either conform like Play-Doh. Have you ever played with Play-Doh and you got the little form and you stick it on the Play-Doh and you, it's a frog and you pull it away and go, oh, look, a frog. The Play-Doh looks like a frog. It's not a frog, but it sure looks like a frog. It's been conformed to the image of a frog. See, we all have a choice. Either we're going to be conformed to the world standards and what the world says is right, or we're going to be transformed by what God says is right. And let me tell you, the one who is right is the one who made right. The one who defines right, that's the one who's right. And so I want to be transformed into his image. Or you can be conformed to the world, look like everybody else, sound like everybody else, talk like everybody else, act like everybody else, respond like everybody else. And you know what you'll end up getting? The same kind of results. The same kind of results. 
Whereas God says, I want you to have peace. I want you to have hope. I want you to have joy. I want your life to be transformed. That's why refinery is a place where transformation happens and potential is realized because God wants you to be transformed. And his word, if you allow the word of God to transform your mind, then you will know the will of God. Daniel reveals his character of integrity during this test. And we'll find out at the end of the chapter that God began to reveal to him secrets that nobody else knew. Because he wasn't conformed, he was transformed. He doesn't forget who he is, who he was created to be. The second character quality that comes out in this pressure test is personal discipline. Integrity. Daniel determined not to lose his identity and discipline. Daniel controlled controlled his ego and his appetite. He controlled personal discipline. The Bible says that Daniel made up his mind not to eat that food that was given to him by the king. Oh my goodness. Back then, people, the average daily food was like this dried out piece of bread and oatmeal every single day. Can you imagine for breakfast, oatmeal, lunch, oatmeal, dinner, oatmeal, for the next three months, that same meal over and over and over. That's about the what average of what Daniel would eat. And now he's being given meat and wine. Oh yeah, it's been meat that has been sacrificed to idols, but who cares? It's meat, baby. It's wine, it's savory, it's rich, it's saucy and good. But Daniel showed tremendous discipline in spite of temptation. It's gotta be hard. It's gotta be hard. I mean, imagine, again, okay, put yourself in Daniel's place. You're 15 years old. You just came out of the desert. Now you're in a foreign country with no parental supervision. Freedom! Right? Then the most powerful man in the entire country says, I'm going to give you all these perks. You're going to work for me. You're going to wear the best clothes. You're going to drive the best cars. Okay, they didn't have cars back then. You're going to drive the best chariots. You're going to be my personal staff. I'm going to give you power and prestige, fame and fortune. You just got to live the way I say to live. You just got to look the way I say to look. You just got to eat what I tell you to eat. You're going to live in luxury, eat expensive gourmet food. Could you turn that down at 15 years old? I mean, let's be straight up honest. Could you do it? Hey, Young men and women today experience that same kind of pressure. There's men, there's women and boys in high school that are these incredible athletes. And what happens to them? NBA, NFL comes in and drafts them before they even go to college, right? Because they want to get them before they get all messed up in college. They get them first. What do they do? They immediately start giving them all sorts of money. hundred times what they would make at McDonald's. A thousand times what they would make at McDonald's. That's a lot of pressure for an 18-year-old boy or girl. And then on top of that, they start saying, you are the best in the world. That'll mess with your brain at 18. They start driving around in luxury cars. They give them fame and prestige. That messes people up. And we've all seen the stories. Heisman Trophy winners. What do they do? They win the Heisman Trophy and then boom, they go into the pros and boom, now they're abusing, now they're beating people up, now they're doing all sorts of stuff because their character doesn't match their competency. Their character cannot keep up with their giftings. Too much too soon. So imagine being 15 and being Daniel and saying, no, no, I'm drawing a line. Risking being executed. Not just the pressure of, well, people are going to talk about me. They're going to post something on Facebook saying, oh, look at him. No, I mean, literal death. Literally death. Daniel's incredibly disciplined. 
He says, I'm, not go- I'm, I'm going to serve the king because God put me here. I'm going to go ahead and serve. I'm going to go ahead and learn their, their laws. I'm going to learn their culture, but I'm not going to change what's on the inside. I'm not going to be indebted to him. I'm not going to be conformed to him. I'm not going to be seduced by him. I'm not going to be one of you. I'm a Jew. I'm not a Babylonian. And you can change my outside, but you will not change who I am on the inside. I belong to God, the real God. Later on, the Apostle Paul would say the same thing to the Romans. Because a few hundred years later, when the Romans were now occupying Jerusalem and occupying Israel, the Romans did the same sort of thing. We're gonna convert, we're gonna transform you into our culture because we're Romans, we're the best. Why wouldn't you wanna be a Roman? And here's how the Apostle Paul responds in the New Testament. Romans chapter 16, verse three. He says, do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourself completely to God. I love that. Give yourself completely to God for you were dead, but now you have a new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. That's his challenge and charge to us. Give your whole body to God. Your eyes, your ears, your mouth, your feet. Give your whole body to God that God would... Daniel disciplined himself to be used by God and not be used by that culture. Daniel disciplined himself to be transformed by God and not conform to this world. Daniel had integrity and he had discipline. And he had a third one. Take a look. He had what? Courage. Courage. Everybody say integrity, Integrity. discipline, Discipline. and courage. Courage. You know what? The first two are good, (laughs) but it's the third one that's going to keep you standing. It's the third one that's going to keep you from being unshaken. Courage. Daniel was willing to stand alone. And we're going to find out later on, there's literally a time when Daniel had to stand alone and everybody else was bowing down to worship idols. And Daniel said, I will not do that. Daniel exuded courage. He takes a stand. Thankfully, in this situation, he had three friends that said, okay, I'll do it with you. So at least he had some buddies that were willing to stand with him as well. But he led the way. None of the other Jewish boys, we don't read that any of the other Jewish boys, remember there was 25% of the population. We don't know how many of those Jewish boys actually were recruited, but we know there were four of them that said, we're not gonna eat that food. Daniel's not gonna eat it, neither are we. And God blessed him. There was a blessing that came after the testing. You can imagine all the other Jewish boys, hey, everybody's doing it. Man, you should taste this meat. It's so good. You never tasted anything like this. It's off the hook. It should be like five stars on Yelp. It's so good. Daniel and his three buddies said no, no. Daniel's courage says, you know what? The majority is often wrong. Daniel says the majority, just because everybody's doing it, doesn't make it right. Just like grandma and grandpa and mom and dad might have said to you, just because everybody's doing it doesn't mean that you do. Sounds like a dad talking, huh? Well, I'm a dad. But that's what the Bible says too. History proves that the majority is oftentimes wrong. There's a reason Hitler came to power back in the 1930s because the majority wanted him to be in power. I'd have to say the majority was wrong at that time. Wouldn't you agree? The majority is not always right and oftentimes is wrong. Only God decides what truth is. The majority vote does not decide what truth is. We come to God's word to define what truth is. And so Daniel says, I don't care if everybody's doing it. I'm not because God said that's wrong. This kind of courage is the kind of courage that God blesses. 
But it's hard. It's hard to have that kind of courage. That's why God said way back in Exodus chapter 23, verse two, take a look. He says, you must not follow the crowd in doing wrong. When you are called to testify in a dispute, don't be swayed by the crowd to twist judgment. God warned the people way back at the beginning, don't let the crowd sway you. Do what is right. Do what is right. The pressure of the crowd is real. The pressure at work is real. The pressure at school is real. Our convictions are challenged every single day. And we have a choice. Will we stand for what is right? Or will we we be too afraid because of what social media, our friends, our family members, our bosses might say or think. It takes courage. That's why the Apostle Paul reminded us in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, he said this. He said, be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. I don't think you can get any more clear than that. Be unshaken. Matter of fact, can we all read this together? Ready, begin. Be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Be unshaken. Be unshaken. Listen, refinery. The reason we exist as a church is that transformation would happen in men's and women's lives and potential would be realized. That we would be faith-filled people standing up for what is right. Standing up for truth. We need men and women of courage today in our culture that continues, as the prophet Isaiah said, calling what is right and making it wrong, calling what is wrong and making it right, calling what is dark light and what is bitter sweet. God is looking for men and women to bless who will stand up for the truth despite what culture says. As I wrap up, are three, being a person of integrity, being a person of discipline, being a person of courage. I'm sure you want to kind of know what happened to Daniel there in chapter one. Well, when we read further on, we see that Daniel and his friends, what they did was they actually came to the, 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 the chief of staff and said, let's try something. Would you allow us to do an experiment? We will only eat these kinds of foods, foods that are natural, foods that we have said is kosher. And if we're okay, could we be okay? Take a look at Daniel chapter one, verses 15 through 19 as we wrap this up. It says, at the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier, better nourished, than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. Uh, By the way, that's how we know that everybody else was doing it. All the other young men were eating the food that the king had given. You see there? But Daniel and his three buddies did not. Verse 16, so after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and the wine provided by the others. Provided for the others. Verse 17, and here's the blessing. They stood, guys. They said, we will not do this. We will not defile what's on the inside. And look what it says. It says, verse 17, that God gave these four young men. Who did he give? The four young men. An unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. Did God give it to the other Jewish boys? No. See, blessing comes after the testing. That's what we're seeing here. They were all tested, four of them passed. And there's a blessing that comes. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude, the ability to interpret the meaning. Oh, I'm sorry. An unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. Here you go. And Daniel gets an extra special blessing. And God gave Daniel the special, everybody say special, 
the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. Because Daniel stood at 15 years old. And you know what God said? You're trustworthy. I can give you insight into stuff that nobody else will see or know. That's better than gold. That's better than any of the finest food because God is going to show you things to come. The book of Daniel, actually, God shows Daniel what will happen in our future. People who study the Bible look at the book of Revelation, the, old, the, the last book of the Bible, and the book of Daniel. Those are the two prophetic books that talk about how the world comes to a close in the future. God showed Daniel this way back then. Why? Because he stood with integrity. He stood with discipline. He stood with faithfulness and courage. And God says, I'm going to bless you. Verse 18, when the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to the king, to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, all of them. You see that? All the boys were brought forward and the king talked to them. And take a look what it says. And no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Nobody impressed him anymore. And they were the ones that stood unshaken. Listen, these aren't just good stories. They're lessons for us to learn today in the 21st century that God is saying, I want to bless you. I'm going to test you. And when you pass that test, I'm going to pour blessing on you. See, God wants to show us things. The prophet Jeremiah says that God will show us great and wondrous things that we won't even understand or know. He wants to pour out his spirit on all flesh. But we have to be able to handle it. We have to be able to handle the power, the influence, the blessing. And so God, go ahead and test my integrity. He will. Test my humility. He will. God, test my generosity. He will. And when you pass, get ready for the blessing so that you'll thrive and not just survive, so that you'll live a life that's unshaken, living above the chaos. Amen? Let's pray, can we? Jesus. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed and taking just this moment, as, even as we kind of dim the lights just a little bit, as a point of just introspection and thinking about this message, allowing it to ruminate in our hearts, Listen to me as I talk. These three character qualities are really necessary to live the life that, uh, that's unshaken. And if you, were go if you were testing yourself right now, how do you measure up with integrity? How do you measure up with self-discipline? How do you measure up with courage? God's looking for men and women who are unafraid to challenge our culture, who are unafraid of the, the disapproval of popular culture. Men and women who are modern Daniels, who will say no more, who have conviction rather than compromise. Instead of conforming, I want to be transformed by God. This is my challenge to you. And with the quietness of this moment, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, as your pastor, I want to encourage you, as we pray this prayer, would you join me and ask the Lord to raise us up as Daniels in this generation. Daniels on our school campuses. Daniels in our workplace. Daniels in our community. Daniels in our home and in our neighborhood. And so join me as we pray. God, I want to be a person of integrity. Maybe that's you. Pray that prayer. I want to be a person of discipline. I want to be a person of courage. And I want your blessing on my life more than I want the approval and the likes on Facebook. More than I want thumbs up on Instagram. I want your blessing, oh Lord God. If that's your prayer, make that your prayer right now. Let God know your heart. 
So God, I'm willing to stand unashamed and unafraid. And God, you've told us what you're going to do. Now give us the courage in Jesus' name, right? Ask God, say, God, give me courage. I can operate with integrity. I can discipline my life, but God, I need courage because the pressure is real in the name of Jesus Christ. Can you all say amen with me? Amen. Hey, let me encourage you as we wrap up. I had something happen at the gym yesterday that was an encouragement with me. When the pressure's on, it can be hard to stand with integrity. It can be hard to live a life of discipline. And oftentimes you just want to say, I want to give up. I'm tired of working this hard. Nobody notices, nobody cares. It's hard to give up. I've been meditating on this message actually for the last couple of weeks, even while I was on vacation. And yesterday I was at the gym. I work out at a gym uh, where they've got treadmills, they've got rowing machines, and then they got the free weights. I like the free weights. Not that I'm big and buff or anything, but it's less cardio, right? I can just lift things and go, yeah, I worked out. Woo, that feels good. <laughs> but on the treadmill, you got to run and people are watching you. And the, I hate the rowing machines because it's like your whole body, right? And they say those are the best working out because it's a full body workout. Well, yesterday, the coach who coaches the 20 of us who get on the rower said, today is going to be a team rowing day. And I'm like, oh no. What does that mean? It means that he assigns somebody to be the captain. There's a rower and you got to keep up with him or her. And I'm like, oh God, don't let him pick that really big, strong guy over there. I cannot keep up with him. We had four sessions. They were like five minutes each. And then we take a little one minute break in the middle and then I won't go into it. But he picked one person to be the captain. I'm like, okay, I can follow her. And I kept going with her and I was getting tired. This was already 45 minutes into my workout. So by this point, I am just wiped out. I am done. I don't want to go. I don't want to stroke another stroke. I don't want to push another thing. I'm done. I want to hit the shower and call it Friday night and go out with my wife. That's what I was looking forward to. He sees that I'm kind of lagging behind and I'm not giving it my best effort. And I appreciate His name is Cy. And he comes over and goes, okay, next Kelly's going to be the captain. He made me the leader to set the pace. Woo, that tested my leadership. Am I going to let these 20 people down? Nope, I'm going to keep on going. I'm going to keep on going. And it was so hard. So hard. But I wasn't going to give up. We were done with that round. Whoo, we're done. I can take it easy. We got about six minutes left. We did some individual ones. We had to roll 400 meters. And then he says, okay, we're going to wrap this up. We're going to do what's called a two-minute push, which means in two minutes, you got to get in as many strokes as you can. Just so you know, I have long arms, and so the rowers are really close to each other. So I sat here, and I left a rower open, and then there were the people all lined up because I like to get my arms out there when I'm pulling. He comes and sits right next to me. My coach comes and sits right next to me. And he looks over at me and says, keep up with me. Now, he didn't do that in a harsh way. He didn't do that in a way like, you're not going to be able to do this. He set a realistic pace for me. He knew I was ready to give up. He knew I was tired. I was 55 minutes into this thing and I was done. I want to go have dinner with my wife. I don't want to stroke another stroke. And he goes, come on. And he starts going. And I just stuck with him the whole way. And the Holy Spirit began to speak to me in the gym. Can you believe it? God talked to me in the gym. And God says, Kelly, I'm with you. You're not in this alone. Things may get hard. Things may get tough. And you may want to give up. You may not want to stand for what's right. The pressure may be on. But I'm going to be right next to you. And I'm going to say, come on, let's do this together. We can do this together. And I was sweating. You know, I got a bald head, no hair to catch the sweat. It just pours off me. I'm soaking wet by the time. I was glad because I began to cry. Not because I was hurting, eh, maybe, but because the Holy Spirit was speaking to my heart saying, I'm in this with you, Kelly. You're not doing this alone. And I couldn't wait to come and share that with you today. I shared that with a couple of other people. You're not in this alone. So you can stand courageously, but Jesus is right there with you each step of the way. Daniel may have stood alone amongst the crowd, but he knew God was with him. 
when you stand up for what is right, you got God in your corner and you got blessings that are gonna follow the testings. Amen? Amen. But I want you to stand with me as we close. Thank you for listening. For more information, check out our website at wearerefinery.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram at wearerefinery. God bless.